opening of Betty Watson to the letter of 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 7, verses 25 through 40 this morning. Now, after I became a Christian back in 2002, and I was nearing the completion of my bachelor's degree in business, I started thinking as an unmarried 24-year-old, you know, I might very well be single for the rest of my life. And I can remember praying then and asking God that if he wanted me to get married, that I would do that. Or if he wanted me to remain single for the rest of my life with him, I would do that. So I just resolved to myself with no hope of marriage in sight. You know, I guess I'll be single for the rest of my life. You know, I don't, I don't know how I'll be able to be a pastor and be single because most churches don't hire single pastors. They're really not all that excited about hiring single pastors. But whatever comes. Thanks that he is not behaving properly toward his 
So in light of such a gospel of grace, you can address hard things. You can face down serious struggles in your life on all sorts of fronts, one after another, and it's okay. And that is what Paul has done. He's addressed some hard things throughout this book. And so here in this chapter also, he's discussed marriage and even sex within marriage. He's discussed singleness. He's discussed, discussed divorce. And even, hopefully, if you were here last week, it's not so odd now, but he also discussed remaining where we are and serving God right where we are. Now it's here, though, in our verses, that he turns back to where he began at the beginning of the chapter. He turns back to marriage and to singleness. Now there is a lot here in these verses. There's a lot of verses here this morning. But the overarching call is this. Be undividedly devoted to the Lord. And we see this expressly in verse 35. He says, I say this, and he's talking about all he just said in verses 25 through 34. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure undivided devotion to the Lord. Now he says more than just that, but that's the main thing here. 
It's the heartbeat of what he's calling every single one of us to. Now, before he goes there directly, he connects all he's saying here to what he just said in verses 17 through 24. So the verses right before our verses this morning. Namely, he connects it by saying, it's good to remain as you are. It's good to remain as you are. So he's connecting it. But he's also making a kind of a, a slight pivot with that phrase there in verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed. Now, honestly, this passage, verses 25 through 40, has many layers to it. I mean, so many, in fact, that some commentators, they've said this is one of the most difficult passages in 1 Corinthians. Now, I don't know about you, when I think about difficult passages in 1 Corinthians, this is not the one I usually think of. But if you look through it one by one, word after word, and all these various points, it makes total sense what they're saying. And I just tell you that so that you won't think I'm going crazy when I aim at spelling out some things here that aren't so easy to spell out. Like, I could spend the majority of this morning just talking to you about the views on all of these verses. And there's probably like 10 or 15 of them total. One by one going through that. And I'm not going to do that. And you might be rejoicing in that this morning. Praise the Lord. He's not going through all the various interpretations of each verse in this passage. But just see that, that this is something we kind of need to spell out here. And so one of those things we need to spell out is right here at the beginning with that word betrothed. It is literally translated as virgins. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, I think you probably get a good idea of what he means in general by that. But what does he mean here? And that's the million-dollar question. Now, like I said, I'm not going to go through all of the interpretations here because there's quite a few. But I take it as a combination of two possibilities. Some say he's talking about those who are not yet married, as in those who are engaged. And so our word here, betrothed, that sense of engagement. While others say, this I'm only giving you two out of like five, others say he's simply talking about the unmarried or singles, hence his word, they're virgins. So in my view, it's a bit of both. I think Paul is interweaving that word virgins to connect to both types of people here. The ones who are not yet married, who might get married, or, so those who are engaged or there. And he's also addressing singles and singleness as well. And this makes sense then of the wording he uses all along the way here. It's ambiguity and how to address the married, those considering marriage, and singles in one foul swoop. So that's one word. Hopefully we're clear on that one. Another hard word we have right here at the beginning is that word in verse 26, the present distress. Now again, it's hard to know what he's referencing here. There are some who just said, and we might be right, and saying, ultimately, we don't know. 
but it's hard to know there what he's saying or referencing. Is it something going on there with the Corinthians themselves? Like, as in some crisis at that specific time? Like a famine that was going on? I mean, some say that. Or is it something else? Now, literally, it means present or impending distress. And again, many interpretations. However, I think Paul is simply talking about this present broken world in which we live right now. Distresses that we will face until Christ returns, which is where he's heading ahead in verses 29 through 31. You just look at those. I'm not going to read those for you. And so remain where you are. Do all you do in view of the Lord, pleasing Him, glorifying Him in the midst of this broken world, this present distress, mindful that the time is short. And so we come to this overarching question here. How should we conduct ourselves in the midst of this present distress? You know, should you get married? I mean, we don't think about this today, but these are legitimate questions that the Corinthians were facing. Now that we know Jesus Christ, is marriage off the table? Like, is it sinful to have sex within marriage? Is it sinful to get married? I mean, these are the questions they're wrestling with here. Should they get married? Should they stay single? Should they even break off engagements with others? Like, I'm engaged right now. I'm cutting that off. Should they do that? And so what should they do? This is what Paul is addressing here. And so everything he says ahead gives counsel on this. And so we see his point here. If you're married, or if you marry, you will have worldly troubles to attend to. And all the married couples said amen. And this is where he has this whole discussion in verse 27. On being bound or free. If you're married or engaged, don't seek to be free. Are you single or not engaged? Don't seek to be married. Yet if you do marry, you're not sinning. Yet no, if you do get married, verse 28, you will have worldly troubles. And he's forewarning those who aren't married what they're getting themselves into. (laughs) In marriage you will have worldly cares. So, for example, you'll face questions like, how are you going to provide for your family? It's not just you anymore. And not even just in the context of a spouse, but in the context of maybe, if the Lord allows, one day having children. How are you going to provide for them? Do you have enough food? Do you have enough clothing? Do you have enough money? And I would imagine most married couples here, at some point or another, you've been like, well, it seems like I don't don't have a lot of money right now, but we need to prioritize some things, so I think we should get food. Right? When you're just down to the bare bones. What if your spouse gets sick? What if your child gets sick? What if they need constant 
care, attention, and help? What if they can't go anywhere and they have to stay home for the rest of your life and you have to care for them? What about all the struggles that just come with relationships, right? I mean, fights that happen between each other and struggles and disagreements and all this stuff as well. I mean, those are the kind of questions that are under the, the, that word there, worldly troubles or cares. You know, the first year of our marriage, you know, Megan, she went to the ER three times. First year. Welcome to marriage. <laughs> you know? And since we've been married, we've lost two children. And together we've had somewhere around eight surgeries. And between the two of us, you know, we've certainly had our share of arguments and disagreements as well. I'm a pastor, yeah. But we argue. We got an argument the other day. I mean, that happens. Worldly troubles. Now, I'm sure those of you who are married, you could share your own struggles as well, right? I mean, you could, you could if you're going to be honest, which I would encourage you to be honest, I think we need to be a bit more honest with each other. And share the fact that we do struggle. And the gospel opens up that door to say, I am a sinner and I do struggle. And I struggle at home too sometimes. The gospel opens the door for that. And so Paul, he has those things in mind here. Worldly troubles, worldly cares. Now, I want to caution you. You know, I've known people who have bet their whole life on marriage, who've maybe not said it exactly, but their demeanor has been, you know, once I get married, then everything will be right as rain. <laughs> well, it's not long before that bubble bursts, right? And if it doesn't, something's wrong. You see, God did not create marriage to fill your deepest longings, desires, hopes, and dreams. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is marriage is not your savior. Only Christ can be that. Not your spouse. Not now, not ever. And if you expect your spouse to be your savior... Wow, you talk about worldly struggles and worldly cares, you're going to have a lot of those because they cannot be that for you ever in your life. And neither can be your children. They are not your final hope to impact the world. They're not your God. They're not Christ. And so, friends, you and I need to see we need the gospel so desperately this is where we come right back to Christ and to devotion to Christ. Marriage is about Christ. You go to Ephesians 25 through 33 and look at it for yourselves. Married or unmarried, you're to bet everything on Christ before you're married, after you're married, and forever. Now, along with that, along with worldly troubles, and perhaps as a subheading under worldly troubles, Paul says you will need to please your husband to please your wife. Now, this isn't where we just throw off Christ and say, all right, well, 
We just need to go about pleasing our spouses any old way. We are, this is still a cross-centered pleasing. It's wives submitting to their husbands as unto the Lord. That's who they're looking at primarily, is Him. And then it's husbands laying down their lives for their wives, as Christ did for the church. So their eyes are on Him also. It's outdoing one another. And showing honor, Romans 12, 10. And so the painting in marriage is a Christ-centered, God-glorifying painting. And it's honestly where we are headed in 1 Corinthians, as in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so that's the marriage side of this that Paul sets forth. Now, on the other side of this, we see his next point here as well. If you're single, devote yourself to the Lord. If you're single, devote yourself to the Lord. The single person's single concern is to be for the Lord. Where the married are concerned with pleasing their spouse, the single person is to be about wholly aiming themselves at pleasing the Lord. And this is what Paul says there in verse 32. In verse 34, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Now, as you hear that word, he has a negative sense in mind and a positive sense in mind. And you're going to see the positive sense in this next verse, next phrase. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. Not in a bad way, right? In a good way. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord. Verse 34, an unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and in spirit. Now he allows for marriage in verses 36 through 37 as he did if you were here with when I preached on 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 9. But overall, singles, while you're single, or if perhaps you have the gift of singleness, you are to lay down your life for the Lord. That's the main thing. And even just saying that is so contrary to everything that we know of singleness. If we just look out in the world and thinking through the American dream and pursuing success for the glory of us. But you're right. That is what it says. Now practically, if you're single, this frees you up to serve the Lord. To go here or to go there without the worldly troubles married couples experience. If there's a need, you can go and you can do it. If you want to go somewhere and do something, you can. It's this picture of hands open to service before the Lord. You see, if you're just thinking of your singleness in terms of what am I going to do with this, where am I going to work, what is my dreams going to be, and so on, instead of primarily in view of devotion to the Lord, then what I just, what he's saying here just sounds strange. You mean I'm to prioritize Christ and serving him? Yes. 
Now, let me say something on this, though, too. On singleness. Now, this isn't at all making light of the kind of struggles singles have. I mean, I'm married now, but like I shared with you at the beginning, I thought legitimately I might be single for the rest of my life. And I wanted to get married. And so I I know those feelings that come with singleness, the loneliness, the longing, the desire for a companion and more. So this isn't minimizing that at all. But Paul, he is majoring on the key thing for all of us, married or single or anyone. And that thing is this. Whether you're married or single, aim yourself at the kingdom of God. Whether you're married or single, aim yourself at the kingdom of God. And this is where Paul puts all of these points into perspective here. So in verses 29 to 31, we see the time is getting shorter and shorter. And he says in verse 29, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. In verse 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. So in other words, we're to live knowing that this world is passing away. We're to live in view of the coming kingdom. And we are to live in view of Christ and his kingdom. So if you're married, if you're single, this world won't last. So don't live in it as though it will. This is Paul's point. And so, right along that line, he says in verse 29, which we may be like, what is he talking about here? So he says in verse 29, now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Now, he's not saying there, don't do any of those things. Like, you're not allowed to cry. What? You crying? Nope. He's not saying, you just rejoiced a minute ago about something? Nope. Sorry. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, prioritize the kingdom of God. Prioritize the gospel. Prioritize Christ in all things. Don't leave the world like he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9-10. through 10. Be a believer right there in the thick of it. Prioritize the kingdom right in the midst of the world. The world needs believers right in the thick of everything. They need your witness. They need my witness. They need your testimony and my testimony of the grace of God found in Christ Jesus. So he's not saying leave the world. Nor is he saying don't rejoice or mourn either. Even says later in 1 Corinthians, right? Chapter 12, verse 26 about the church. He says, If any member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
So he's not calling you to an ascetic or monasticism or any of those things. So don't just think, singleness is the way. <laughs> he's not saying that. Nor is he saying marriage is ungodly. He's saying marriage is godly. Singleness is godly. Whatever you do, devote yourself to Christ. Amen. That's his point. He's saying whether you're married or single, aim yourself at what is not short. Aim yourself at the kingdom of Christ. You know, what if we thought, you know, all this making much of the world and all sure is strange. It's like piling up riches on a sinking ship, right? It's like, it's like you're on the Titanic while it's sinking, and you're talking about how you really should invest more in the Titanic. You're like talking to people around you, hey, we should really invest in this thing. I mean, yeah, it's going down. I mean, sure, the water is a hassle and all, you know, and the wet clothes, I mean, those really aren't ideal. Oh, and, and certainly drowning and all that is not the best. But man, that grand staircase, it's just magnificent. <laughs> Where's the captain? I'm going to give him all my money now, right? But what if we looked at the world like Paul is saying here and seeing that this, this ship is sinking, and rather than just kind of putting all our hope and everything else into it, He's saying, well, why don't you rather live in undivided devotion to Christ? Amen. And this is what Paul is getting at. Don't aim your life at a sinking ship. Don't build your life on, a, on sinking sand. Build everything on the rock of Christ. Amen. And so he's saying, whether you're married or single, be unhindered in your devotion to Christ. Verse 35. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. He's not saying, all right, you have to get married. All right, you have to stay single. He's giving freedom there. And so he continues, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. There is the main thing. And this is why Jesus, he says in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, which it makes not a lot of sense in a world if you're piling everything on it, in a world of consumerism and materialism where family is everything. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Paul is simply saying the same thing here. He's not saying you need to hate your family. He's saying that Jesus, he's saying that you need to love him more than anything else in such a way that comparatively, it's not even close that if your family turns, as many families are doing all around the world, and they say, oh, you came to faith in Christ? Well, now I'm going to do everything I can to put you to death. And you follow Christ. And maybe never see your family again. 
because you love him. Whether you're single, you're married, he is everything to us, church. And Christ is preparing all of us, whether married or not, for the reality to come. Now, this one may blow you away if you don't know this one, but just listen to what Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two thirty. 30. He's preparing you for this. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor give marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Amen. Marriage is not a forever thing. In the new heavens and new earth, it will be gone. So Paul is saying, Jesus is saying, every one of you put Christ above everything. Unhindered devotion to him. And so friends, be unhindered. Devote everything to Christ in your marriage and devote everything to Christ in your singleness. Ask yourself this morning, are you putting Christ first? Is the work of the Lord and service to the Lord the main thing, or is it a peripheral thing? And I'm not saying you need to become a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist. I'm saying right where you are. Let Christ be your treasure and share Christ strategically, wisely, Make disciples for his glory as he commands us to right where you are. You want to know how America is going to change? That's how it's going to change. When Christians say, you know that great commission? I'm just going to take that up. Right where I am in my workplace. I don't know how. I'm, I'm navigating the LGBTQ and all this stuff and, I mean that, and walking around trying to figure out how to navigate all these things in the workplace, but I'm going to navigate it. I'm going to strategically find a way to share Christ with those I work with. Just like Christians in other countries, as they face persecution, they are strategically aiming at sharing the gospel with Muslims, Hindus, and others around them that will kill them or might kill them if they try to share the gospel with them. So are you joining your family, your children, in this central call as well? Not just you, but are your children in this too? Now here's a test for this. A test for, is your family aimed undividedly at devotion to Christ? And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. So don't hear me here. God is sanctifying us, growing us, maturing us. We're going to wrestle. We're going to have struggles. But even there, you can point your children to Christ. Yeah, son. Yeah, daughter. I, you're right. Man, I just blasted you there. I'm sorry. Daddy's a sinner too. And my hope is only in Jesus also. So here's the question. Would they say, your children say, what would they say is the central thing, the main thing in your marriage and in your family? And you ask them to answer honestly, not a Sunday school answer. 
Is it the beauty and grace-filled reality of the gospel, or is it something else? And so ask yourself those questions. And likewise, singles, are you putting God first in your singleness? Is the work of the Lord and service to the Lord primary? Or is it something else? You know, your freedom is not an accident. The freedom you have right now as a single is not an accident. Trust the Lord with your future, with your days. And one day, it may well be that you get married. But the bigger question is, how are you serving the Lord right now? Or even... How are you orienting your life and your thoughts and everything towards Christ right now? Such who get married, whoever it is, they will not be your savior because Christ has long held that singular place in your heart. You're to be living for Him right now. Now, before Paul finishes here, he has one last thing to say. And so he gives some final instructions for widows and widowers. Now, you might think that this is often Neverland, but it's not. It's at the same stream of what Paul has been saying. You can remarry if your spouse dies, and that only in the Lord, as in believers are to marry believers. But whether you do remarry or you don't, do so to the glory of God. Be undividedly devoted to Christ. Hence he writes in verse 39, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Now just clarifying note here. When he says that in verse 40, I think I too have the Spirit of God. He's, just, he's addressing those who are in the church of Corinth who are like, I have the Spirit of God, and so marrying is sinful. I have the Spirit of God, so sex within marriage is not right. And so Paul is kind of giving a little rebuke here, like a little uh, sarcastic, maybe not so sarcastic rebuke, and he says, I think I do have the Spirit of God. But in all this, as we take in all these things, and whatever you do, aim at wholehearted devotion to the Lord. That's the call. 1 Corinthians, where he began, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Amen. So glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price, and now you, all of you who know Christ this morning, you belong to Christ. You are not your own. So see marriage, see singleness through the lens of the gospel. 
and let your marriage be filled with the gospel. Let it be filled with grace. Grace. Not legalism. Not law. Grace. And Christ-centered, life-laying-down love. Singles. Let your lives be filled and defined by the gospel. Filled and defined by the love of God in Christ Jesus. Trust him with what's ahead. Such that, whether you're married or single, we would all of us say, he is my Lord and I will trust him and I will serve him. Let's pray. Father, we come after having heard your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us. And I pray and we pray together that as we look out over the condition of our nation and the needs, the condition of our world and the needs, help us, Lord, not simply to take on the worldview and the heartbeat of our culture, but to take on what you call us to be. that Christ would be our treasure, that you would help us, Lord, as we wrestle and think through life, we think through living and work and groceries and restaurants and fun and children and church and ministries and missions and evangelism and everything else, that we would do all that with an undivided devotion to the Lord with hands open, every one of us, married or single, that we would be yours, Lord, and that you would use each of us for your glory and for your kingdom, that you would use the married here to shine the light of Jesus Christ to everyone around them. You would use the singles here to shine the light of Jesus Christ to everyone around them. And as we pray this morning, perhaps there are some here who don't know Christ right now. And so we pray that you help them to see what they are to do. They are to repent and to believe the gospel. They're to put their faith not in the things of this world, not in the world, but put their faith in Christ, the one who came to save them from their sins and to gulf the gap of separation between them and God that even now, right now, they can call on the name of the Lord and they will be saved. Amen. And so help us as we sing this next song and help us as we sing in response. May you give us grace to respond, Lord. Help us look at our lives. Help us not think we're above your word here, but help us and sanctify us and show us and grow us and move us, we ask. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.